0: Grab your Bibles, turn over to Revelation chapter 2. Today we're going to finish up the churches wanting to give somewhat of an overview of the promise, the special promises made to those who are overcomers within the church. And so we're going to be dealing with the last sections of each of the churches and dealing with especially the conquerors, the overcomers, who they are and what God promises to those overcomers. This would be a message of an encouragement for all who know Christ and are genuinely uh, trusting in him for their salvation um, as I think on these songs that we've sang, and as I think on these truths that have been revealed as as we've gone through the churches, the promises that God has for us, I think of the greatest gifts that have ever been given to me, and the greatest gift maybe that's ever been given to you. What would that be? What's the greatest gift you've ever been given? The greatest gift you've ever been given? Some of us might be real quick and say, oh, well, that's my salvation, right? If you have your Sunday school answer already, you got it thinking, oh, got it. My salvation. But it's funny that when we think on salvation, we often think initial, point in time, beginning, when my sins were paid for. But the implications of being justified by faith in Christ are staggering. And it only begins... To look at the glorious gift of our God. As we see and look at these conquerors and and what God promises and what Christ promises to us who believe in him. We should be reminded of how gracious and good and kind our God is. That he would give these amazing gifts... (laughs) that he gives of heaven and the glory of God that we were going to enjoy, that he gives it to wretched, miserable sinners like me and you. Often, we live in a society, and y'all would agree with this, I'm pretty sure of it, that we live in a society that thinks they're owed something. We deserve something. We deserve better, right? We We live in a society that we deserve, uh, and I'm not getting political here, but we deserve health care. Everybody deserves health care. It's promoted that and other things. Where we deserve to what? Have a nice car, have a home. No, folks. When we really think on the truths of who we are, literally, that none are righteous, none seek after God. There is no fear of God in anybody's eyes. We deserve what? One thing. Hell. It's all we deserve. Eternity separated from God. That's what we deserve. But God gives these amazing promises. Not only does he provide a way for our righteousness his righteousness to be credited to our account he promises that he is going to share his glory with us in heaven these truths should bring all of us to humbly seek the lord every single day and that's what we find in these passages as we relook at all these promises for those who overcome. Let's look at a few of them. First, look in 2, chapter 2, verse 7. We're going to kind of walk through these real quick. Verse 7, about halfway down, or we'll just read the whole thing. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life. Which is the paradise of God. Then look at verse 11. He who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. Then verse 17. He who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes. To him I will give some of the hidden manna. I will give him a white stone. And a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. And then turning all the way down, verse 26. He who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces, as I also have received authority from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And then in chapter 3, verse 5, He who overcomes... Will thus be clothed in white garments. And I will not erase his name from the book of life. And I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. And then verse 12. He who overcomes. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God and he will not go out from it anymore and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And then finally, We see in verse 21, He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. pray and Father thank you for your word thank you for these promises to those who overcome oh God help us to know who these people are and then to respond appropriately Father thank you so much for your grace in our life help us now be encouraged by your word and look to you we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. The rewards and human achievements and gifts that we get in this world are fleeting. Do you not agree? Here today, gone tomorrow. But, folks, the joy of our reward is never fleeting. It is eternal. And it is a joy which we must seek With all that we have and we must be willing to lay down everything that we have at all costs to receive. This reward is the glory of being with our Lord Jesus forever. This reward is worth persevering for no matter what your circumstances are. This reward, thankfully, we get to begin to enjoy now, but one day we will fully enjoy Who is the reward for? Who is the glory for? The short answer is the conquerors or the overcomers in Christ. Today we're going to look at these overcomers and what they are promised so that we will all be encouraged to continue our quest for this glory of Christ. The obvious question is who are the overcomers in each one of these letters? I want to kind of deal with this a little bit, and I think it's important because I, I didn't really deal with it a lot, and I think it's an important thought. Who are these conquerors? Who are these overcomers at, at the end of each of these letters? We might be tempted to first think, well, it's a special class of those spiritual all-pros, those guys that are the MVPs of the Church of Laodicea, the the really got it people, the ones that really get it, those spiritual uh, hall of Famers, as you may think. The reality, though, is, is as we look through these verses and as we've read through it, notice in 2.7 that there's something that speaks against this idea of spiritual Alpros. The conquerors or the overcomers in each of these churches, as we will see, is they are everybody, all genuine believers. And it's an application for all of us. It's not just the pros matter of fact, look at 2.7 for a second. We know this because the promises that are given to the overcomers in Ephesus are echoed to promises to all believers in chapter 22. Look at 2.7. It says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now turn over to Revelation chapter 22. This is a promise that's made to everybody to all genuine believers. In in Revelation 22, too. Notice it says, oh, we'll start in 1. Then he showed me a river of wa- of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming up from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of the of its streets, on either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruits, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. A group of people, everybody, all the nations. So the overcomer, the promise that was made in Ephesus chapter 2, verse 7, to the church, those overcomers get the tree of life. Well, who else gets the tree of life? All the nations. So it's a sense where what? We know that this means that we will have eternal life and that we will enjoy eternal life by eating of this tree of life that was also mentioned where? In Genesis chapter 2. We will get this and we will be included in this promise. All those who believe. Notice also in 2.17 or rather three 3.5. Look at three five. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments. And I will not erase his name from the book of life. That's a key phrase. And I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Notice then, turn over to 20, Revelation 20, verse 12. This book of life shows up again in Revelation 20, verse 12 in 20 verse 12 Notice it says in 20 verse 12 it says and I saw the dead the great and the small standing before the throne and the books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged from the things which were written in the book according to their deeds And then look down at verse 15 And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. There's really only two groups, aren't there? We're going to see this over and over and over. It's not the spiritual all pros and then the believers and then the unbelievers. It's believers and unbelievers. So these conquerors would be who? Everybody. All of us who genuinely believe, get the promises that are made here. We have assurance of our salvation based on this. Notice also, there's another one in verse 21, 321 rather. Look back at 321. Folks, these are great truths to hold to. We didn't get to go over this much last week as we finished Laodicea. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne. As I also overcame, come and sat down with my father on his throne. Then you turn over to chapter 20 again. Verses 4. And we see this idea. Then I saw thrones and they sat on them. And judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus, because of the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received a mark on their forehead and on their hand. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Remember, to sit down on his throne has the concept that we will rule and reign. We will king with him, literally, in his kingdom. Great truths. Verse 6 brings it up again. Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Then in 22.5, look at 22.5. After the new Jerusalem And there will no longer be any night, and they will not have need of the light of a lamp, nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illumine them, and they will literally king with him forever and ever. Wow, what a promise. Think about this again. This is not for the spiritual operas. This is for everybody, all of us, that have genuinely trusted in Christ alone. For our salvation. All genuine believers. I think it's important for us to get this. Look at 21, 7 for a second. There are really, folks, only two groups. Two groups. Overcomers and unbelievers. 21, 7 and 8. Look at it. He who overcomes hmm, comes back up again. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But for the cowardly, here's the opposite, the, un, the non-overcomers, but for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake of, that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's pretty clear. There's really only two groups. (laughs) Overcomers and unbelievers. Overcomers and unbelievers. Obviously, at a time like this, this would be what? Which one are you? (laughs) Where are you? Do you know Christ? Are you trusting in him? Folks, that word, overcomers, may tempt some of you to think, well, I can overcome. I can do it. I can succeed. I will conquer for Christ. That's not the point of the word. The overcomer is the one who is dependent upon the Lord, who trusts in him. The, un- the readers wouldn't understand this. They would know that it was not by their own strength or by their own abilities or their own self-righteousness. They would understand it was by faith alone in Jesus Christ. How would they know this? Well, I would suggest they had probably most likely read 1 John chapter 5. Turn there for a second. Same people, same term, same concept. Oh, I can conquer for Jesus. I'm the man. I can handle it. That's not what an overcomer is characterized as. Look at chapter 5, verse 1 of 1 John. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever, rather for everyone who is born of God, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith, who is the one who overcomes the world, but he who believes the Son, or that Jesus is the Son of God. Who are the overcomers? Who are they? They're all genuine believers. This would be common understanding for the genuine believers. It wouldn't be the ones that reformed their own life. It would be the ones that committed and trusted in Christ by the grace of God. Again, it's important for us to remember a couple of facts from this passage. Ultimately, we overcome because what? We have been fathered by God. Remember in verse 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Why do we overcome ultimately? Because we're born of God. It means God started the work. He gave us the heart. He gave us the new mind. That's why we overcome. The people that... Are, they're not just the spiritual operas. They're everybody that God has worked in their heart to show them that they were sinners and that their only hope was found in who? Christ. Jesus, my only hope. And those who that are are dependent upon him... Overcome. Notice in this verse, too, these ber- verses in four and five. The overcomers continue to overcome to the end. Again, this is not perfection, but it's direction. And the concept is what? They are overcoming, for whatever is born of God literally is overcoming the world. We are constantly putting to death the things of the world. We are having victory over it. Why? Why are we keeping his commandments? Why are these commandments not burdensome to us? Despite all of our circumstances like the church in Laodicea, that maybe we're in a circumstance at work where everybody around us is not a believer. We're completely by ourselves. How do we overcome? And why do we continue to overcome? Ultimately because God born us again and gave us a new heart. It'll make us look at a whole different way when we talk to our our fellow coworkers and our fellow people, right? We'll see, well, obviously they don't get it, right? Why? Because it hasn't happened yet. What do we do? We proclaim the gospel to them so that God can work in their life and we trust him to do that. And we continue to overcome no matter what the circumstances. Let me ask you a question. All right, can you put be put in a position where you will fail? You're guaranteed to fail. Well, it depends. I would suggest to you listen closely. the Word of God gives us some promises here that we overcome, we overcome the world. Why and how. Does this mean perfection? No. Does it mean that we stumble occasionally? Yes, probably more times than we want to, right? But by God's disciplining grace, we overcome. Why? Again, look at it. Look at it. The overcomer overcomes by faith in Jesus Christ. It says it in verse 4. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And then verse 5. Who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? What was the conquering instrument that helped us to overcome the world? The answer is faith, trust, dependence upon Christ. What was the victory that overcame the world? It says it, our faith. When we first exercised our trust in Christ, we had a victory over the world. Bound up in this faith... Faith is a dependence upon and a commitment to Christ. And this faith, what? Doesn't go away. This is a conquering power that all believers have. This trust or dependence or commitment to Christ is how we overcome the world in all our circumstances. So again, our commitment, our trust, our dependence upon Jesus is how we overcome the world despite the circumstances, no matter how bad it is. Think about it again. Ephesus, the church, had lost their first love. Who overcomes in that circumstance? Those who are what? Trusting in Christ. Those who are dependent upon him. So to tie these passages together is very valuable. Why do we overcome ultimately? Because of God's grace. In our life. Can we overcome and then fall away completely? No. Why? Because God will help us by his grace. He, will cha- he changed our hearts and we'll by his grace continue us on. And we will continue to overcome. And how do we overcome in all circumstances? By faith in the Lord Jesus. So looking at the churches again. Think about this for a second. How do we overcome the loveless, dead orthodoxy of Ephesus? How do we overcome that? Answer, by trusting in Jesus, (laughs) by remaining committed to him. How do we survive if we are put in a position of persecution like those in Smyrna? How do we do it? Answer, by trusting in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Faith in him. How do we avoid compromising the truth when we're faced with idolatry like those in Pergamum? How do we do it? Answer, by trusting in Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's done. How do we avoid embracing the pagan ideas and immorality that of our culture like those in Thyatira? How do we do it? Answer, by faith in Christ alone. How do we avoid the smell of death, which characterized the Sardis church? By repenting of our sin and relying upon who? Christ, the one who delivers us. How do we survive in the circumstances like this? Poverty, persecution, humiliation, like those in Philadelphia. Answer, by trusting in the all-knowing, sovereign Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. It's funny. We talk about faith as something that begins. But the reality is is that faith, ladies and gentlemen, is ongoing. You will find that every day you will be challenged to trust Jesus in a whole new way. And the more that you know him and the more that you understand his glory, the more that you will what? Overcome in all the circumstances that you may face. How do we avoid falling into the same circumstance as those in Laodicea? We could be in a church, and Lord willing, this would never happen, where Christ is nowhere to be found. Yet, we can still overcome. How? How? I would suggest, by the way, you have plenty of options. Don't stay in that church if that happens. But how? Answer, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who he is, what he's done. So how do we increase our faith? How do we do it? Well, you probably, I thought this was a God thing, Mike. I thought our faith was a God thing, right? God increases our faith. Mike, you're... You've told me this several times that God is the one that gives faith. God's the one that does these things. The answer is not let go and let God, folks. Listen closely. It's strive to know Him more. That's a discipline issue. Crave, strive, seek to know God more. To know Christ more should be. Your main goal. That's a profound, that's a, a, a hard statement, but listen closely. To know Christ more should be your ultimate goal in life. That's a wild thought, isn't it? And second, we need to pray for God to help us to know him more. Right? Petition, dependence. God, my faith is weak. I'm a wimp. Help me out. I need more. I need more. I need to know you more. Please, God. And these two concepts of striving to know God more and praying for God to work in our hearts so that we will desire to know him more and we will know him more are probably the two key components for increasing our faith. These requests are throughout Scripture, all the way through. I was just thinking on this last night. Moses said what? Let me know your ways that I may know you, Exodus 33, 13. Moses then said in 33, 18, I pray you, show me your glory. What's he saying? I want to know you. I want to see you. I want to understand you. David spoke in Psalm 27, 4. One thing I have asked from you, from the Lord. One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek. That's interesting. Ask and seek. What is it that he says? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all my all the days of my life to what? To behold or see the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. That's it. He's got it. And David says in Psalm 63:1, "O oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Oh, folks, get this. Nothing else today. How do you overcome? you got to know Jesus. And it's not just a, I got it, the cross. I got it. I got the little steps. No. Crave to know God more. That should be your main goal this week more than pleasing your bosses, doing a great job. All those things will take care of themselves as you know God. Crave Him. I want to know you, God. That should be your prayer. Psalm 105, 3 and 4 says this. Glory in His holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face sometimes. No. Seek his face continually. Am I intense? Yes. Why? This is it. This is it. This is it. How do you overcome? Seek the Lord. Nothing in your life, ladies and gentlemen, nothing should be this important to you. Nothing. Oh, I was watching Fireproof this week. And there was this passage that, or this one section in there that really convicted me. He talked about on one of the pages there, you know, if y'all haven't seen has everybody seen Fireproof? If not, it's probably a good book or a movie for you to watch. I don't recommend movies normally, but that one's good. It's really good. There's one section in there where he says, Study. Your wife. Study your spouse. Be about her. Try to figure out what she likes and what she's about. I was very convicted by that because sometimes I just take her for granted and I apologize for that, but that's the reality. We just say, you know, I know her. I... It's the same way with our Christian walk. We do the same thing. Why do we study the Bible? Why? So we can know him more. And the more we know our God, the more we will what? Serve him. And all the things of the world we become what? Uh, it's just the things. It's no big deal. Christ is our glory and our joy. <coughs> Seek him. Study him. Don't just rely on Pastor Mike to give you a sermon on Sunday. Because if you are, you're going to fall. You're going to mess up, I promise. Seek the Lord. Think of Ezra who dedicated himself to set his heart to study the law of the Lord. Man, that's what we need, right? Or Mary. Remember Mary and Martha? Martha's busy. Where's Mary? At the feet of Jesus. I love this description. Seeking the one thing as she sat at the feet of Jesus listening to his words. Oh, folks. Oh, folks. Oh, folks, listen. If our faith in him is what brings victory over the world then what should we do? Seek to know him more. Petition him to show us. Show himself to us more. It is a requirement for survival in this world. Trust in God comes as we know him more. This is why Bible study and prayer time is not just a good thing to do. It's a main thing to do. Are you studying the Bible every day? Are you spending time in God's word every day? Are you seeking the Lord every day? Now let's review quickly all these promises. Turn back to Revelation. For all those who trust in Jesus. And they trust in Jesus because they know Jesus. Look at these promises. Oh, folks, us wretched, miserable sinners, look what he promises us. He gives 12 promises. Let's rip through these real quick. In 2.7, he says, To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is the paradise, is in the paradise of God. This is eternal life in the presence of God. Remember, this is a promise for us. Eternal life in the presence of God. Those who are trusting in Christ and depending upon him will experience eternal life in the presence of God. That alone should be enough to what? Make us all go, Okay, whatever you say, I'll do. I'm there. Obedience, no problem. I want to study my Bible. I want to overcome. So there, eternal life in paradise with God. How many of you want to see God? I do. Can't wait to be in the presence of God. Second promise, avoidance of the judgment of God. In 11 to 11, he says, To him who overcomes, he will not be hurt by the second death. Those who depend upon the Lord will not face the second death. This is a reference to what? The judgment of God after the resurrection. This is the point where those people will face hell. Trust in the Lord. The third promise, the bread of heaven. To him, in verse 17, to him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna. This is a wild thought. Remember, we talked about those who trust in the Lord will enjoy the spiritual manna from heaven, which is who? Christ himself. Now, this is the greatest thing. <laughs> Tied all this together. Look at this real quick. I strive to know God. I'm seeking to know him more. And as I seek to know him more, I then what? Trust in him more. And as I trust in him, what happens? I overcome no matter what the circumstances are. And the promise is that one day I will what? Get the hidden manna. Which is what? Christ himself. Oh, it, This is what it's like. You strive and you seek and you look for God's word. You're spending time in it. You're always trying to know him more. And you get glimpses as you're studying the Bible. You see one and you go, wow, God, you're amazing. This is awesome. That's what your Bible study should be like. It should. You might not be that flamboyant, but the reality is, is you see, you see God. You see glimpses as you study the scriptures. But then, as you overcome by trusting in the God that's been revealed to you through the scriptures, the only true God. Boom! Heaven happens, and what? You get to enjoy Him in His full glory. You get Christ. Heaven is not getting to play on the ninth hole and the greatest golf course. Heaven is seeing Jesus, being with the God of the Bible, the one we strive to know. We get the, band, the bread of heaven, him, Christ himself. Fourth, an entrance into the victory banquet. And I will give him a white stone. Remember, this was the idea of pointing to a victory banquet for athletes in that day. They'd get this little stone. And on that stone, a new name is written on the stone which no one knows but he who receives it. And I think that points to Christ's name that no one knows, as mentioned in Revelation 19. Because of what Christ did, his name on the stone, we get to go to the victory banquet. Again, the idea that he Is our entrance into eternal victory. Fifth promise is shared authority with him. We see this in number... in, In 2, 26 and 27. Look at it. He who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds until the end. To him I will give authority over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces. As I also have received authority from my father. Remember... As we saw, this is a reference to Christ's authority that he displays at the second coming. But this authority will be shared with us as we reign with him in in his kingdom. Again, startling, isn't it? Think about this. Startling. Isn't this startling to you? Wretched, miserable sinners that we are. We rule with him. We reign with him. It's hard for me to get my mind around. He shares his authority with us. the sixth promise, the morning star, another reference most likely to him. We get him. We get given him. We know him more. The seventh, the white garments. This is an idea of having purity and holiness that will be characterized by those who are in heaven. Oh, man. I can't wait for this one. How about you? No more sin? How many of you absolutely despise your sin? How many of you look at it and go, Oh, I hate it. I'm wretched! Oh, I did it again. There's the holiness of God. Oh, woe is me. This is me. How many of you can't wait until that day when you have white garments? You're characterized by purity and holiness all the time. I can't wait. That reward makes me want to know Christ more. Don't you? <laughs> can't wait. The eighth promise, eternal security. I will not ra- uh, verse three five. I will not erase his name from the book. Remember, this was a reference to the fact that we will be guaranteed to be with him and enjoy the glory of God forever ninth promise acknowledgement from jesus i will confess his name before my father and before his angels those who are trusting in christ jesus will identify us as his own these are mine glorious truth isn't it the tenth promise a permanent place in the presence of god in 312 he who overcomes i will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it. It's a permanent place in the presence of God. The 11th promise, a new holy identity in verse 12, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and my name. Remember, we will be identified with God, God's residence, and Christ himself well, right now we may be identified. Had an opportunity to witness with uh, witness to some students on campus. Uh, anybody that reads Facebook, you, I need to explain a little bit about what a hookah is, you know, because somebody there said I was at the hookah table. I want you to understand that I was witnessing to those that were uh, smoking the hookah or whatever. There's this little table. If y'all don't know what a hookah is, it's that thing that they that everybody smokes. It's a uh, or not everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Those that are, I think it's a Arab, Arab thing, isn't it? That's kind of come over here, and uh, it's tobacco or something. It's a lower form of tobacco, and they they kind of spin this thing around. But we're on campus, and I was talking to some guys, and I began to explain the gospel to them. And as I explained the gospel to them, one thing became very clear: they thought I was an absolute fool. I was. Crazy. Because I said, Jesus died on a cross to pay for your sins. Your only hope is complete dependence upon him. Give your life up and follow him. And they said, that is crazy. That makes no sense to me. I was identified as the local what? Fool. But one day, (laughs) I will have a new identity. That identity is I will have the name of Christ. He will write his name on me. It's worth it, ain't it? (laughs) So we overcome the world. And lastly, the promise for these genuine Christians who overcome by faith and is victorious over the world, a ruling position with Christ in eternity. He kind of develops this further. He says, he who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcome and sat down with my father on his throne. This is a reference to the amazing promise that we who overcome by faith in Christ will share the ruling authority with the Son of God. Yet, fresh in our thinking, must always be who overcame first. See it in this verse. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the key to the whole thing. Overcomers know who overcame. Overcomers trust in the one who ultimately overcame first and sat down. Who is that? Christ Jesus, our Lord. Put simple faith in Christ promises glory to come. I heard recently a statement from someone that all people in hell don't want to be in heaven. Or all people in hell don't want to be in heaven. Think that's true? Think about it. As a matter of fact, I've heard on more than one occasion people, as I was witness on campus a couple of times, they've said, if God is the way the Bible describes it, I don't want to be in heaven. Do they mean that? As shocking as this sounds, it doesn't surprise me. For us who trust in Christ, we would not want to be anywhere but where? Heaven. But why? Because Christ is there. For those who are in hell, they don't want to be in heaven. You know why? Because Christ is there. They hate Christ. They don't like Christ. Their joy and glory is not Christ. It's themselves. Now if there could be a third spot where they could not be punished for their sin and they could continue to do it whatever they wanted, they'd probably pick that one. But they wouldn't pick heaven. Why? Because for the unbeliever, they don't Heaven is all about God. It's all about knowing Christ. (coughs) Is that the heaven you want? Then start seeking him today. Strive to know him more. For it's all about knowing Christ. Seek the glory of God. Study the glory of God. And share the glory of God with others. That's it. That's what your goal should be. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and your graciousness to us. Thank you for Christ, our Savior, our Master, our friend. Loving, keeping, and saving, and helping. Oh, God, you are so good to us. Glorious Savior, we praise your name. We pray that our hearts and our minds will be completely enraptured in your glory. Help us, Lord, when we begin to stray. Help to remind us that you are the one thing that matters. And as we know you, we will trust you and we will gloriously enjoy you forever and ever. In Christ's name we